Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. It's the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover, financial coach at Wealth Partners Corporation, and myself talking investing, finance, and retirement. And this go around on the podcast. We're going to talk about uncommon sense. I got some statements here that I think all of us will agree on that uh, when we hear these things, we know these things. We say, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Nobody's going to disagree. Yet when we put it into practice, we often do the opposite. Steve, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Doing pretty good. You know, I hadn't even asked you in a while. You know, where you like to fly and do all that stuff. Have you been flying recently? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, been been uh, a little busy and haven't been able to get up. So it's like we we the show's called the Retirement Pilot. You know, you get up and fly. You love to do that. And I hadn't asked you about it in a couple of episodes. So I was yeah. like, I was like, well, that's kind of dumb of me. So I'm I think gonna, about it, but I just haven't done it. Just been busy, huh? Yeah. I imagine, I imagine things were, did things get affected like that too, from the private pilot standpoint with COVID and stuff, you couldn't go out to the airfield or anything, or was that? No, you could. Yeah. Uh, the only thing they cut back on was, were lessons and maybe oh, okay. some certifications where you had to, you know, be in close quarters with somebody. But other right, than that, right. if you wanted to go up, you could. Oh, so okay. All right. I guess that makes sense, especially if it's a solo activity or something, right? Right. So, well, anyway, let's, uh, let's talk about this week's topic. So like I said, Steve, you know, all this stuff is basic common sense, yet a lot of what you see when you're dealing with clients or potential clients, I should say, because hopefully you get them on the straight and narrow after that, is that we tend to do the opposite. So I'll start with a classic. This will make a lot of sense for folks. We all hear and know that we should buy low and sell high, right? When we're thinking about buying things, we look for the lowest price and so on and so forth. If we were trying to sell, I don't know, our used tractor or something, we might try to get the highest amount we could get for it. So you won't find a single person who disagrees with that theory. But when it comes to investing, Steve, people almost always do the opposite. We tend to buy you know, things when they're high and sell them when they're low. And why do we do this? Why do we go backwards here? Because it's based on emotion. And the two emotions are fear and greed. And the way I always explain it is when things are going well and the markets are going up like they are now, our greed takes over. And I'm not saying that as a, a negative. When somebody says greed, they, they kind right, of right. take that as a negative emotion. <laughs> it's not a negative emotion. We always want more. Sure. You know, sure. it's a natural emotion that we have. And it's greed. We It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. Then the fear part of our emotions is when the market starts to go down. It's like, oh my God, it's going to go down and I'm going to lose everything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to sell then. And as opposed to what you need to do is get those, those emotions in check. And that's kind of where I, I fit in or other advisors fit in. We're not the emotional part. We're more the, the logic part, which is you sell off high, right. take your profits, reinvest low to something that's down because what's down today will probably be up some other time. And we want to buy low at that point. But you have to have the, the non-emotional part to that. Yeah, you guys have a bit of a detachment, these. right? Like you can look at it dispassionately. You care about doing the best for your clients, but at the same time, you're not as on the hook, you know, emotionally like like we would be because it's our retirement money. Right. And and the other part, and some people buy their own stuff. You know, sure, they yeah. they buy um, a particular stock and they researched it and they know it and they know the company, they know everything. And 
and then they just sit there and they just watch it go down and they just keep watching it go down and down and down and down. And then finally they just go, Oh my God, I'm going to lose everything. Or the spouse says, sell that loser and <laughs> let's get out of this before we lose all of our money. And that's hard for somebody to do. It's also hard for somebody to do it when it's going up. I've sure. met a number of people who work for larger corporations that have a lot of you know, um, loyalty to that company and they watch their stock go up for years, a number of them, and just watched it go up and up and up and would not sell it because they just felt that it was going to continue to go up. And they felt this loyalty that they didn't want to feel like they were disloyal by selling it, oh, and taking okay. profit and taking it off the table. Then it turns around and goes into the tank and they, they lose a significant portion. So what you basically want to make sure is you want to get that non-emotional person involved to help you make an informed decision. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. We do get attached to a lot of things in life, obviously. We're emotional creatures. So to simply say, you know, we know we're supposed to do this, yet we tend to almost always see it in the opposite, especially from undisciplined investors or investors who don't have a plan or a good strategy in place, they tend to wander a bit aimlessly. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later. I've got some more components on that. So let's move to the next one, Steve. Taxes. Don't pay more in taxes than we need to or have to. I think most people would say, duh, right? Nobody's volunteering to sign up to pay more taxes. Nobody's standing down there on the street corner saying, hey, take more money from me, government, right? Uh, but yet, when it comes to retirees and pre-retirees, we're often not being as tax efficient with our retirement accounts, with our investments, with our tax planning as we could be. It is. And I think part of it, I talk to people all the time. They've been, for a lack of a better term, brainwashed into this defer, defer, defer. Defer your income today because when you retire, you'll be in a lower tax bracket. Right. Most of the people I work with, this is just me, I'm only speaking for myself. Most tend to be in the same or higher tax bracket when they retire. In other words, they basically will spend the same amount in retirement for about six to eight years as they were when they were working because they want to maintain the same lifestyle. You know, who wants to, you know, work 30, 40 years? and have a nice lifestyle. And then when they retire, when they can do what they want to do, live in a lifestyle that's half of what they were when they had to, to hit the traffic every day at seven o'clock, you know, get home late, work hard, deal with the boss, deal with, um, you know, employees. So basically, I would say most of the clients I work with tend to keep the same lifestyle spending as they did when they were working. And one of the ways that that they get kind of caught on that is the fact that they've been told to defer their money all the way through. And then when they defer it and they start living on it, they find out that there's a lot of taxes involved because they may be on social security at that point. And they may be drawing out a large portion of their money out of their retirement account that is all taxable, which makes 85% of their social security taxable. And now they're at a, a same or higher tax bracket that they were when they were working as opposed to saying, okay, I'll defer a little bit of my money, but I really want to get this into the tax-free bucket, which would be a Roth mm -hmm. IRA mm -hmm. or a Roth 401k. You're paying the tax now, but you're not going to pay the tax later. So it's kind of like, would you rather pay the tax on the seed or would you rather pay the tax on the harvest? A Roth, whether it's a 401k or an IRA, is you're paying the tax on the seed, which is a lot lower than having to pay it on the harvest. But unfortunately, most people are just like, I, 
I got to get my income low today because I don't want to pay the taxes today, but they don't look forward and say, you know what? I'm probably going to pay a lot of taxes on this yeah, later yeah. because you're going to introduce taxes on social security and you're going to have to take out a lot more to maintain your lifestyle. You know, that's a great point as well, because a lot of times we, we do get so caught up in the now, we don't think about our future self. I mean, anybody who's ever been a self small business owner knows you got to pay your future self. Uh, and sometimes as individuals, we just really kind of get wrapped up in the now versus thinking this through for the later. And again, I think that's really where the value of a good advisor comes in is to help you kind of think future wise and future proof a little bit what you're trying to do. Keep costs low, Steve. Another common sense statement. Hey, again, makes sense, right? We bargain shop, 50% off, good deal. You know, drive around town, find the cheapest price on gas, especially right now, you know, whatever the case is. So keep costs low is certainly common sense, but yet a lot of times people have investments where that is not the case. Is it because they don't understand it or what's the reason on that? Well, they probably have had it for a long time. Uh, most of the costs, just to be frank, have come down significantly on newer options, if you will. But a lot of people have a lot of old investments. They've had them for a long time. They've had them in their 401k. They've had them in their IRAs. And they've just never really taken a look at them and look and see how much those fees are in that one mutual fund that you may have. And most of the time, people really don't care about what they're paying and don't really look at it because the market's been going up so well. And it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm, that's kind of what I have to pay to get this kind of return. When in fact, you really don't have to pay that much inside of those funds to get that kind of return because there are many funds that do just as well that have significantly less fees. And always remember, the more fees you pay within that fund is taken away from the return from you. The fund company doesn't pay that. The shareholder, which is you, pay it. Yeah, great point. So you need to just, you just need to have a, a look at it. Most people don't read the prospectuses or any of the information that they're sent because they have to disclose certain fees that are associated with your mutual fund and people don't read it. And so they don't know that they're paying one and a half percent a year to own this mutual fund. Mm -hmm. And that's expensive when in fact they could own something that's charging them maybe a half a percent. Yeah. A lot of times, Steve, what we see is people saying, oh, my guy or gal only charges me 1%. They're typically referring to their advisor, right? And they think, that's the it. That's it. Well, I'm just getting charged 1%. It's like, well, no, there's, to your point, there's fees inside these funds and, you know, products have fees as well. They're not just kind of doing that out of the kindness of their heart. No, I'm not. When I charge a fee, I tell them my fee is this, and that is to, to manage it, to work with you, to do a lot of other things. But then we're hiring a money manager and they have to be paid. Right. They're not going to do it for free. And, but you want to make sure that those are reasonable costs. Exactly. Um, and in the past, I will say, I've seen some funds that have been incredibly expensive. I saw one international growth fund that was over 2% on the internal fees that they disclosed. Here's the other thing. There are fees within some of those mutual funds that don't have to be disclosed. It's basically what's called this bid ask spread. And what that is, is when a fund manager buys a, a stock, they pay a certain price. When they sell it, they pay a certain price. And there's a, there's a difference between there. And that's the spread. And that spread is passed along to the shareholder. Now, that's not disclosed because they don't know how much that's going to be uh, assessed each year. But it can add up to an extra half a percent, in some yeah. cases, 1%, depending upon how many shares they're trading throughout the year. 
No, that's a great point. I mean, there's a lot of those things that we just don't understand because we don't take the time to or are not working with someone who's helping explain this all to us and work us through this. And since you were mentioning funds, that's going to actually be a nice segue to my final point this week on the podcast, Steve. And that's, you know, we could pull out the grandma-ism and say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But when you're thinking about the importance of diversification, Often people will have, for example, somebody like a new prospect might come in and see you, Steve, and say, hey, I got 10 mutual funds that I got from 10 different places, so I'm diversified, right? (laughs) And typically that's not the case. A lot of times you start digging and you realize they're probably almost all in large cap and there's overlap and things like that. Absolutely. People think different managers uh, or different mutual funds means diversification. It does not. Let me go back here real quick. I just did an analysis for a new client and we looked at all of her funds that she has. And in those funds, most of her holdings were in probably 10 different stocks. So every fund that she had, she probably had eight, 10 different funds. They all own the same stuff. Yep. They owned all the same stuff. And usually what you find is whatever sector, asset class, large cap growth, small cap growth, whatever it is big company, small company, whatever's doing really well, that tends to be the area that end up in the mutual funds as the number one holdings. Doesn't matter what the name of the fund, it could be a small cap growth fund. That's the name of it. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, you look inside the fund and they own all large cap growth (laughs) because that's that's the hot thing right now. So those fund managers go where it's hot. And what you end up doing is you, if you have 10 funds, you think you're diversified, but you're really not. You end up owning the same stuff. And what happens is one manager may think that that stock needs to be sold. The other manager thinks it needs to be bought. It's a zero-sum game to you. You're not getting any advantage from that. Yep. So exactly. we, I, whenever I do it, now overlap is can happen. There's Sometimes it's very difficult to stop it, but you don't want to have any more than maybe two of your funds that you own, own one of the same stocks. Yeah, if we can you. get it down to just one, that's great. No more than two. Yeah, because I mean, it's basic, you know, thinking about it basically this way, it's the, you know, the rising tides lift all boats. It might be great that you all have, you're in the hot thing right this minute, but when it all goes up, it all goes up. But when it all goes down, it all goes down. There's no diversification. You need to be gaining in some areas and maybe underperforming in others and vice versa. And that's the point of diversification. So that you're always having something that is performing well to kind of keep and maintain that lifestyle. And I think, Steve, as we wrap up, that's really just the difference. It's it's growth, you know, trying to grow wealth versus preserve it and get it handled for distribution through retirement. And that's really the big change in the game when you go from building our wealth when we're in our working years and we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe even early 50s to that transition in retirement. Uh, And that's the whole point of working with a retirement advisor, someone who really just specializes in retirees and pre-retirees. Well, one thing I want everybody to understand is you don't have to make 25, 30% on your portfolio to be successful in planning for retirement. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunately what, what people only look at is, well, gosh, I only made 25% this year and the overall market went up 30%. Well, that's not acceptable. I'm, I'm 5% down. Well, when you do a plan, most plans say, you know, you need to average about 8% a year on average, which means some years you'll make more, some years you'll make less, but that's kind of where you need to be. And if you keep that in mind, it makes your life so much easier than worrying about trying to maximize what the market does. 
because that's only going to get you into trouble because if something goes up 30%, you better be ready for it to go down, down 30% (laughs) because something with that much upside also has that much downside potential as well. Yeah. Crypto comes to mind, right? Things like that. It does. I mean, it's, it's exactly what it is. Whatever's hot, whoever's poking and getting that, the always remember whenever you start seeing these big spikes, there's somebody out there that has a, a vested interest in driving that price up. And as soon as they make as much money as they want to make, they'll pull the plug and you'll see it start going down. And what happens is most people jump on that bandwagon way too late and then somebody pulls the plug, there it goes. And you're the one left losing. Yep, absolutely. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it this week. So hopefully you picked up something useful here. As we were talking about common sense or uncommon sense, we all know these things to be true. I think we would all agree with those statements, but we tend to do the opposite. So if you need some help or you've got a friend or you know somebody who does, have them reach out to Steve, subscribe to the podcast, check out the show, listen to future episodes as well as past episodes. And as always, before you take any action, check with a qualified professional like Steve Hoover at Wealth Partners Corporation, 913-685-3207. That's how you can reach out to him. Or stop by the website at wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. We'll see you next time here on The Retirement Pilot. Steve, thanks for hanging out with me. Have a good week, my friend. Thanks, Mark. We'll catch you next time here on the podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever platform you like to use. And we'll see you next time. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.